this the All Elite Wrestling Podcast, unrestricted. Boom! Thank you for saying that, Tony Giovanni. Aubrey Edwards. Thank you, Aubrey Edwards. And our guest is Executive Vice President for and talent for All Elite Wrestling. It says talent right here on the thing. But Who wrote that? I don't know. It's they got it wrong. Talent. It's our buddy, Cody. Hey. What are you doing, bud? I, uh, man, I felt like you were going to give me a really strong introduction. And, and, <laughs> and, nope. and you started to. started to. I was like, here we go. And right. then you. We were in. <laughs> kind of laid out on it. But I am, uh, I'm doing well. Yeah. Yeah. It's great to see you. You know what? It's good to see you. Yeah. Wednesdays are fun, huh? Yeah, they, they are fun. Right? Yeah. It's not Wednesday, though. Yeah. I know, but I mean, just the idea of everyone getting ready for Wednesday every week. Like, it's pretty awesome. And it's not common in wrestling, really. To have fun. Have, yeah. <laughs> On TV days. Everyone to be excited fun. about right. going yeah. right. uh, to work. So, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. good. Yeah, I can remember in years past, I was miserable about Mondays. Really. really? Miserable about it. What What years? Probably ninety nine, two thousand. Really? Yeah. Up till then, years. you were killing it, though, right? Uh, up to then, it was fun. It was, you know, you know how TV is. T- I mean, God, you everybody runs around a lot of times with like a chicken with their head cut off. The old cliche and things are crazy and things change. It's the way entertainment does. It yeah. changes all the time. What but. was it? Last week we were backstage trying to launch a water bottle basketball style into a I started that competition right there on the fly. It was like twenty people cheering to try and get this this one water bottle in a trash. Tell can. them who got it. Uh, who was it? It was me. Oh, I started the competition, and I had no. In- <laughs> you just want to put yourself over. <laughs> I had no intention of of being the winner. I was literally, hey, you try, you try, and all the legends were watching us too, and it right. was starting to become a little like, this is strange <gasps> that this is exciting them so much. And then I sunk that water bottle. I think Sofer was running around like we can't like start the show until this is done. Right? I was about like, forty nope. yards out. I think unreal athletic feat. Well, that just tells us about what we know backstage and how fun it is and how great it is to work with, with you and everybody here backstage. Yeah. It's a blast. I mean, it's, it's good. It's, you look forward to TV each and every week and we're in, we're in double digits doing TV now. Depending on when this airs. Yeah. So, Oh, wow. So early gestation, early, right. early stage. <laughs> but, but it really, you look forward to going to work yeah. and, and everybody backstage. And, and I would think that when you are looking for, people to work in this company, Cody, you're looking for that, right? I mean, you're looking, you're obviously looking for talented people, but you're also looking for people like the Atlanta Braves used to do. They are looking for not only good baseball players, they're looking for good people. You're building a locker room. So the, the big like requirements, I think when we, when we started everything with me and Tony and Matt and Nick and Kenny and the, but the big requirements, there was kind of like two words was, well, it's three words, but fresh like people who perhaps we haven't seen in the wrestling world or who haven't made it in that many locker rooms and on television. But the other one, uh, the term we always use is we'd say extra credit. And what extra credit means is really just a kind of putting a bow on passionate. We were looking for all the people who like doing everything, mm-hmm. who like everything. Like they come to work. I want to do everything. I want to learn everything. I want to be a cameraman. I want to be a referee. I want to be a wrestler. I want to be a producer. Sure. I want to mm-hmm. know everything. Even if, even if they don't know why I'm standing here listening and watching, I want to have a master of all. And that's kind of what we've, for the most part, I don't know if we got any real lazy ass people. I'm thinking of somebody, I would love to scapegoat somebody, but mm. They're lazy ass people in all groups. I know, but I can't think anybody. We got a pretty solid, like <laughs> everybody do. really wants we to do. go for it, you know? Yeah, yeah I can't ambitious. think anybody. It'll come to yeah, me. Ambitious. Yeah, very ambitious. Right. Yeah. They want they want to learn more in wrestling, which is kind of what we're doing each and every week. You yeah. know, we're we're learning more and we're moving. Okay, so all in Chicago seems to be where AEW's idea really got rolling. Is that 
Is that, would that be accurate? Depends on who you ask. And we're asking you. You'll ask everybody over right. the course of uh, Unrestricted here. Honestly, if you ask Matt and Nick, they're going to tell you a different story. If you ask Tony Khan, he's going to tell you a different story. But if you're asking me, to me, All In is where AEW 100% really got started. Okay. Everybody might have had those ideas and the big dreams, but this combustible series of events that happened with that silly, ridiculous, beautiful show is what I think gave people the belief that it could happen on a regular basis. Tell us about the first time you talked with Tony Khan and how that conversation went when you first met him. Brandy took the very first meeting, and because Tony is literally in charge of a lot of things, he was like 30 minutes late, so she was terrified of that situation. But when Tony met me for the first time... I've seen him do this with other people, but just he has an anal- an analytical brain. Mm. He already knew. It seemed like he already knew everything about. He knows your entire history. Yeah, he, he like, sure does. He really does, and he wants to let you know he knows. But there were a couple. Uh, the first time I feel like I really met him because we had passed each other a few times. I'd even seen him backstage at WWE, but the first time I think I really met him was when I went to a Jags game. And uh, I watched the game from, you know, the owner's box and he came up, you know, in in the middle of the game to talk to us. And I got to see how he kind of runs the infrastructure he's responsible for there. Mm -hmm. And I was so impressed, like really, really impressed because he's so young. Uh, He's so kind of like vivacious too, like fun and like fun going, not this ball busting like different type. I just I'm used to a different type of boss. Right. I understand that figure. Yes. Tony's the kind of guy that yeah. if you didn't know who he was, you would just assume he's a regular dude. I mean, he's a regular dude who just happens to be very, very smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, very successful. Very successful. Business savvies can be surrounded himself. Did the smartest thing. I Maybe the smartest thing I think I've learned from Tony is surround yourself with really trustworthy, smart people as well. Okay. Who aren't there just... I, Tony, I always say this to talent. I've told this to like... Tony uh, been rich his whole life, so if you're one of these, uh, you know, overzealous kind of young and hungry talents who thinks that he doesn't know mm-hmm. when you're just, I think Tony's very aware of when people are schmoozing around him over the fact that he's a billionaire, successful mm-hmm. NFL level entrepreneur, uh, and I really like that about him. Versus the fact that he can, he surrounds himself with people who aren't just there for his money, mm-hmm. and he's built a good team at AEW who really the focus isn't about climbing any type of corporate ladder here as much as it's just about putting on the best possible show uh, with AEW every Wednesday and topping your last show. I lo- I've learned a lot from Tony in a very short time. Just a really Charming fella. Good yeah, guy. He's something else. And a Star Trek fan. So you're into both Star Trek and Star Wars. Yes. So do you yes. ever have like a mental fight with yourself? Because I think you're not allowed to like both, right? Yeah, like that's are. how the internet works. <laughs> the internet is the internet is kind of, the, the, they'll pick at it. But I, I like to tell people that Star Trek is for, like Star Wars is for everybody. Right. Star Trek is for smart people. <laughs> I, I don't know how, it really it's a completely different show and ever the fact that they were like ever compared is so bizarre. Cause like one is, they're so vastly different. Yeah. One is like Camelot and like King Arthur and vast, like legendary f- fiction. And then the other one is the, you know, the concept of this utopia that happens and you know, what the Gene Roddenberry, what is it like his idea, the Trek 
mm-hmm. future. You know, no right. money, right. no war. When really all we're actually out there is for the expansion of the the human the human race. What that would be like, and everything takes place on the ship. Whereas there's a lot of theater of the mind in Star Trek too. Yeah, I, I I can't do them both at the same time. Like I can't watch the Clone Wars animated series and then the next generation. Like sometimes there's too much of an overlap. Mm-hmm. So like right now I've tried to get as much Star Wars out of my system. I've seen Rise of Skywalker a bunch and Mandalorian. Baby Yoda. Blue, blue in the face. I just pre-ordered, uh, and I don't even know why, uh, The one of the first pieces of merchandise they put out for the child is this silver pendant. Like, it's not for me. Right. So I guess I'll give it to Brandy, who kind of likes the show. Like, not, <laughs> not like super into it. But I it mean, was you're, like, you're supporting they're, what you like. But they're, they're putting stuff out now. Like, right. Right now. Build-A-Bear. Yeah, Build-A-Bear. Mm, it's coming out with the Baby Yoda. Yeah, right? Build-A-Bear. Oh what? The pendant came out. And then the, the, the news about the, the dang puppet costs reportedly $5 million to make that puppet. Wait, what? Yeah, that's the, the wow. price tag they're saying on uh, the child. Five mil. But... What I was saying was I get it out of my system. <laughs> I, get, I get Star Wars out of my system so that like Picard's getting ready to, to hit the streets hard. Right. And all I'm going to want to talk about is Picard. So I got to get all the Star Wars right. out right, of right. my system. And also Star Wars fan base is, uh, is really toxic compared to the Star Trek fan base. Gotcha. Right. The Trek fan base is like, oh, you like Trek too? Great. What's your favorite? Oh, mm-hmm. well, I like this one. If you Star Wars fan base is like, oh, I like Last Jedi. And it's just like. Just it's, <laughs> it's the right. like you know. So the Trek fan base is a lot friendlier. Like when you meet someone who likes Trek, you're like, "That's cool. He's smart. That person's smart." I get it. Yeah. Were, okay. were you into uh, Discovery? Did you like that? That was a lot of people really shit on that. I love Discovery. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. I can see why people. It's not because can, it's a war. It's, it's a war, right. and the Klingons are, right. you know, they don't look like Worf. But then, <laughs> but then I just heard Picard. They said, you know, they're kind of like implying Worf might be involved, right? Ooh. And they're saying, well, he's not going to be done in Discovery likeness. Mm-hmm. He's going to be Worf. And they put it great. They said, like, well, in every iteration of Char- Star Trek, people have looked different. The Romulans have looked different. The right. Klingons have looked different. It's like media evolves or something. It's yeah. And, and Star, I I liked Discovery a lot. Michael Burnham, uh, I forget. I can't say her name actually. The actress. I don't know how to pronounce her name. I will, I'll blow it if I say it. Soniqua? Not even close, I okay. bet. But the actress who plays Michael Burnham, uh-huh. like the emotional availability of that type of actress in the lead the lead role, that's like what Trek is all about. If you look back at The Next Generation and you look at the Klingon actors, they were all Shakespeare actors, mm-hmm. all of them. And then you look at the thing people like about Patrick Stewart the most. Sometimes the material was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It was not ridiculous to Patrick Stewart. Nope. Right? His commitment to, I mean, that's the Cardassians and the lights. Mm-hmm. It's rough if you're probably <laughs> reading it. Right. But if you're Patrick Stewart, you're like, damn right. You know, like right. he committed. And a lot of, they had a lot of great actors. So I liked that about Discovery is that they had great actors. They had Jason Isaacs and they made a couple of references to all the different treks. Uh, the Anson, I think, who plays Pike. Oh, you know, like right. what a stud, huh? Right. This isn't this isn't AEW. Oh, what a tall oh. drink! Cody tall talks drink about Star Trek for forty well, Pike was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's the so the pit bull? Mm-hmm. I'm excited about this random pit bull in there, right? Just because he's got and he's got the the tag. Right. I think it's Data's, right? We were yeah. talking about this. Right. It's gonna be good. Yes, it is. <laughs> Nothing he does is bad though. No, he's an he's an like in good wrestling. When you have a good wrestler like um, Mick Foley, for example, like. Mick Foley doesn't ever do anything bad. No. 
ever. He might have been involved with other, but like anytime he's out there, he's, there's usually a level of effort that that level of effort is always prominent with everything Patrick Stewart does. Everything you can never, you can just sit back. That's right. You can, he's got you. He's That's trustworthy, right. you know. From the very first time he he walked on the set, yeah, first time we saw him, you thought, wow. Yeah, he's the best. He's the best. He's the best. He's my favorite captain. Do you have a favorite? You don't watch Trek, do you? You're I not. didn't watch Trek. I watched a little Voyager. Well, Janeway was great. Yeah, yeah she was good. Yeah. She just broke a few rules. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she got handed a bad set of cards, guys. They're in the Delta Quadrant. <laughs> That's right. You know what I'm They're saying? Like, way back home. Most of the people were like, who cares? Right. She was the one, her and Chicote were like, hey, we'll keep the right. system. Right. And her and Chicote had this great love that was building between them, and then they w- took it away. Mm-hmm. When seven and nine got super popular, there's like a lot of there's a lot of business lessons in that show. Like seven of nine, the ratings go through the roof, and then everything becomes seven of nine. Who she was seven of nine, the doctor episode, someone to watch over yes, me. That's right. Wow, very good. That's hot money, guys. So with all hot of your money. love for Star Trek and Star Wars, are are you one of the people where you watch any form of media and figure out how it can? impact wrestling in any way or are you very compartmentalized no yeah 100 the the former it's wrestling is everything to me. Mm-hmm. and when wrestling compares itself to wrestling is when it's the worst yes. versus you really should compare yourself to the hottest things that are out there going and 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 do what you can to to pluck and steal and, and incorporate it somehow because we have such a unique canvas with the wrestling ring we have to find a way to get to wrestling matches based out of these stories so i like to steal from everything like, are there any examples for, like, things you've stolen from that have impacted Dynamite? Um, ooh, that's a really good, that's a good question. Thanks. In everything I, I approach, it's not something necessarily I stole from pop culture, but the best wrestling trainers I had, there's two of them. And one is Robert Gibson, mm-hmm. who we know because he's Robert Gibson of wrestling. Yeah. And he taught me fundamentals. The other one is Howard Fine who is not a wrestler, who's an acting coach mm-hmm. in L.A. And I didn't want to be an actor. I thought I did. I thought I was too small to be a wrestler. And the whole time I was watching him, I was like, man, this is really applicable to wrestling. I mm-hmm. wish more wrestlers would do this. Like, really just unbelievably, like, committed, not indicating actually being that person. And uh, that he's probably one of my best wrestling trainers ever, has no clue. <laughs> He's a fan of wrestling, but no clue. But I mean, did you ever tell him after the fact? Like, yeah, I mean, I uh, he he, uh, he went to the performance center to do acting classes for WWE because my dad recommended him. Right, and then I think they had to get away from using him because my dad didn't realize how expensive he was. Just <laughs> kind of my dad's whole world, you know. So like we're just going to do this thing because he's yeah, the best. Spend an hour, make, really... make more later, you know. We're talking with Cody, and you're listening, of course, to AEW Unrestricted, and we're going to be talking about some of his big moments already here in AEW. This is AEW Unrestricted. We're here with Cody. We want to talk about a little bit big, important moments for you. Dynamite's a big deal. Double or Nothing was a big deal. All that's a big deal. Lots of big stuff happening. But is there anything that really stands out to you as, like, this was super important for me, for the future of the show, for how you run day-to-day like anything in general. I mean, we're like making them literally like a memory every mile. It seems like with, with AEW in general, like every week is something brand new. There yeah. doesn't seem to be any business as usual. No. And I get it. It's, it's year one and year one is incredibly special. I, I always aim for everything to be incredibly significant. 
which is you fall short sometimes. Not everything is this, you know, earth shattering segment. There were just two things I knew that I thought, okay, well that, that worked and, and people are going to talk about that. And I feel good about that. And I think, I think it will actually generate the thing we need the most. And the, the two things were the match with my brother Mm -hmm. uh, at double or nothing and not even the match as much as, uh, the throne uh, breaking element of the match, the entrance. And mm-hmm. then the second thing I did with Tony was there was in Charlotte at, at Bojangles Coliseum. What a name. Uh, I got to do <laughs> an interview there about uh, Chris Jericho um, and heading into the, the full gear match. And I was just incredibly thrilled with how it came off. I had, I had worked really hard on it. Never, ever believe any wrestler when they tell you they, they did it off the cuff or right. no, they, never, uh, never. never, ever don't believe any of them. It, even if it was literally if Piper or Dusty came back from the dead and say, Oh yeah, we were just doing it. No, no, it was, it was, they were doing it in their car. They were doing it at the gym. They were testing it on the boys. They were stealing lines from songs. By the or, time it's maybe in front of a camera, yes. it's a one and done. Oh, that, yeah. Same with Hulkamania. Everything was incredibly meticulous and worked on. And I'd worked really hard on that one. And I thought, thought like, man, I it just, we got it. We nailed it. Um, I now, it wasn't even about selling tickets as much as Chris had done such a good job. And when I was in there with Chris, I don't think I've told him this, but I have mentioned it before. I wasn't just trying to to be in the match. I wanted to be on the same level mm-hmm. as Chris because Chris did not consider me on his level. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he does now. I know he was happy with the totality of how it all went, but he didn't consider me on his level in WWE. He wasn't rude to me. He didn't look down on me, but he, I was beneath him. Mm-hmm. And I was sharing the same main event with him. So if I'm sharing the main event with you, I can't be beneath you anymore. And the only way you're going to believe that is if I deliver. And that moment of delivery, more than anything, I was, I was really happy about that uh, that interview. And the, the people seemed to like it too. No, oh, it was tremendous. Wonderful. It, it really was. And Tony gave me this little. Does he, has he told you? No. Has he given you the nudge? No. What's this nudge thing? He said to me later. before we went out, he was like, uh, you, <laughs> Have you, you drink first. <laughs> he was like, don't, uh, don't lean down in the mic. I'm a big lean down in the mic. Right. If you watch any of the AW press conferences, mm-hmm. I'm just down in it. Yeah. You're, you're, you go down to the mm-hmm. mic. Mm-hmm. He mentioned it. And I, in my mind was like, yeah, no shit. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that. And then mm-hmm. the first thing in the promo, I start leaning down and he just like nudged mm-hmm. to stand up straight. Mm-mm. And he, he nudged my uh, elbow to stand up straight and gave me that uh, Iggy to do so. And it, I don't know if that piece, it's like when you have a rock in your shoe and you got to get that out of your shoe before you can go on to do what you're doing next. But I completely got out of my head about remembering what I'm going to say or even what I'm going to say. And I just was able to deliver the, the homework I had already been done. And that was just this nice little moment. So Tony gets, I'd say I'll give him... Thirty percent of the credit. I'll the take. Interview. I'll take ten. Thirty. Of the credit. No, no, thirty. No, take okay. 30. Take I'll take 30. seventy. Thirty. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it was really <laughs> that was special. And it, I got to do it with Tony. Tony has all these memories with Dusty, and and everyone's like, oh, the Shivani's. They must know. Me and Tony don't know each other that well. No. Not well enough. No. And all this money these guys made, spent uh, together, we don't have memories. And I thought I need a memory with right. Tony. Um, and that was it. There's yeah, a, there's another one too. I want to throw this one out at you, and this really, really hit me home with me. Was the first match ever on Dynamite? Oh, and you were in the ring, and you and I embrace. Okay, oh, and yeah. you cried. You did. I you did. were sobbing. Yeah, and I'm thinking when it happened, I'm thinking this is the emotion of the hard work and effort 
and thought process it took to get to this point. Yeah. And now we finally we have finally done it. We have finally put a brand new show on. And I thought that was just a great moment. That was a really good moment. And you were yeah. there too, Aubrey. I yeah. was, but I was hanging out with Sammy, trying to basically get him to the back as soon right. as possible. So I missed out on all of the touching bits. It, it, but it was, <laughs> and, and it was a moment that I, some people I watched re- it after the fact. It was great. Some people realized it was going on, but I knew, I knew it. You knew, and I knew it was just a moment that we shared about the effort and the hard work and it would, it would take to put the show on. And we finally did it. Now yeah. it was just the beginning of the journey. But it was it was a really special moment, I thought. Yeah, that that, that was a a special moment that wasn't something you can put in a script or a, or a format, something that just happens. Uh, and that was a special moment. And when I got in the ring before, I ended that segment embracing you, mm-hmm. and we didn't really get to talk much because Chris jumped me and mm-hmm. uh, what. But I opened that segment with uh, telling you congratulations. Mm-hmm. I made it a point, and whether this matters to you or not, or maybe later in our lives this will matter to you, I made it a point to try and be the calmest person in the segment. Oh, yeah. Because I know Sammy's a, you know, a cocky Sammy, but Sammy's never been on live TV before. No. Like, and this was one of the things, like, okay. I had never been on live TV right. before. This was one of those things, like, okay, my WWE experience actually can help me here. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is something I can help people with. And then that night was so amazing because all great. these people that we thought would be over time or, man, it was just like. Yeah, that's right. It, it really kind of ran itself that, that first night. And I was, yeah, that was a very special memory. And it was uh, my favorite, uh, one of my favorite matches ever, actually. Uh, it was just, really good. Yeah, Sammy's, Sammy's special. And Sammy, it's. I remember people were telling us to do this like gimmick match. I'm not going to say who, but they were basically wanting us to do kind of nostalgia, WCW style nostalgia. And I was so adamant when I told Tony I wanted to wrestle Sammy because uh, Sammy, uh, Tony had joked like, oh, that's a wrestle circus match. I think we actually did wrestle at wrestle circus. You guys did. Yeah. And I was like, I'm okay with that. I'm fine. that's fine. I'm going to show you what a wrestle circus match really is, though. Like right. the heart and soul of this was built on the independence and he, he got to see that and, and Sammy got to be shown to the world in uh, in a good light. So I look forward to the next one. Talk about the creative process of putting together a show. Yeah. Uh, because it, it's different now than it used to be. I mean, you, you live in, you live in uh, Atlanta, Tony's in Jacksonville, the Bucks are out West, Kenny and we don't know where Kenny is. We don't know where Kenny is. <laughs> in Florida? I don't know where he is. Florida, maybe. And it's different. It's unknown. Parts unknown. Yeah. I think Florida. I mean, the creative promises, the creative process is what we promise people. It really is different flavors mm-hmm. and a different variety. And whenever there's like a dip or a wane, like maybe a rating dip slightly or a segment that's not particularly a home run, that's always one of the big criticisms. Like, oh, you you gotta have you gotta have one vision. You know, you mm. gotta get Russo, get this guy. Just like <laughs> it's fun when they come in because you're like, ah, you know, but. The reason this exists in the first place is because it wasn't about one vision. It was about the wrestling fan is not coming all looking for the same person or the same moment or the same. They're not going to buy the same T-shirt. They might majority like something or dislike something, but their views are different. So I think the creative process needs to be congruent with that. And it is not as difficult as people think. Matt, Nick, Kenny, myself, and Tony, the best thing I could like parallel I could think of is like a band. Everyone plays a different instrument. Mm-hmm. Everyone thinks they're the lead singer too. But if someone brings a song, 
you do everything you can to make the, you know, it may not be from your heart and soul, but you want to see their process on it. You want to support their process. And that to me is the, the process of AEW and to be even more like specific extrapolating and narrowing down what that means. Like Matt and Nick are really meta fourth wall poking like Deadpool in pro wrestling. Kenny very much still in his roots uh, in Japan and mm-hmm. the, the Joshi heartbeat that exists there, but also the strong style heartbeat of matches in general and the, the, the long stretch of a match and what you can tell in there. And then me, it's old school Southern wrestling, specifically Southern wrestling uh, matched up with Tony who manages somehow to like everything. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how the, like, does he sleep? Do you know, does he sleep? I saw, I don't know if he'd care about this, but I, I saw him, he had one time standing next to me in the urinal, was on the phone with a, a very high paid NFL player who was in the, in like the middle of a genuine scandal. Mm-hmm. And he was handling that while he was peeing next to me mm-hmm. right before we went into another meeting. So I just envied the ability to do that. Like <laughs> that's a, a goal. If you're if to handle stuff while you want to be able to yeah. manage things, like hey, any, any time it could come up. Any so could yeah. Come up. Yeah, yeah, Tony likes everything though. You right. think like, oh, he only likes New Japan. Nope. And then you'll tell him about this, you know, or oh, you remember this thing they did at Mid South with Mr. Wrestling number two, and you just think like he remembers the wrestler, the date, the venue, yeah, everything. Analytics like he's brain, literally man. all of it. Little genius. So in uh, in Miami, the event's called Bash at the Beach. Oh yeah. Which uh, you want to tell us about the trademark binge you went on? Sure, it's a legal nightmare. <laughs> uh, so this uh, this is made. AEW's first bash at the beach. It also might be AEW's last. WWE not particularly happy about all the trademarks I um, acquired. And trademark law is really actually basic everywhere but wrestling. Wrestling, you'd think like there's this idea that if you buy something but you let it lapse, it's still yours. Or the spoils of war. Like wrestling legitimately had a war between, you know, WCW and WWE and WWE actually won. And the amount of bad fallout that came out of that, I think is so much larger than the good stuff that came out of it. Like people Mm -hmm. lost their jobs, all these trademarks, all these, these pieces of history. Now, does WWE do a good job as a custodian of history? Absolutely. The network is, the network has done well and, and they do do some stuff well, but there's been a lot of things that they didn't care for that. They've let lapse or kind of, fall to the wayside and anything that was connected in any way with my dad uh i just wanted to pick up you know i don't know what my grand's grand play is here i just wanted to pick it up to have for my family we're not merchandising it i'm not making any money off the bash at the it's beach just to own it it's just to have it and it's part of your history yeah i think my grand scheme i don't know if you can include this but i was going to get as many things to irritate them as possible so that they were just like Hey, you know what? You can have Starcade. You can you just <laughs> that's you the can, one. That's the one you want. Because well, like, I mean, great, that's the one. Great American Bash and Starcade are a hundred percent his. Like right. I don't, right. I don't like, I don't give a damn. Like I, I've had to listen to Meltzer, who I, I, me and Dave, I like Dave. I like Dave. I'm saying this out loud, but he's always trying to like sell the Starcades, not Dusties, and I'm like, man, like at this point, I don't. There's no Starcade and Great American Bash. Starcade is Dusties, but are Dusties. Yes, they, and I, I would, I would rather have those than a hundred slamberies. Now, do I have the slamberie? Yeah, whatever. But I, <laughs> I would rather have those two in my like heart and soul. And I know it would mean a lot to my mom and my sister. 
And then my brother, if he gets involved, he'll be trying to like print Starcade t-shirts or something. But that's <laughs> why he's, I love him. Uh, but yeah, that may be my grand play, which isn't good that I said it out loud. But right. uh, we got a lot of trademarks. We do. We got a lot of trademarks, but courtesy of old old Conrad, Sea Money, <laughs> yeah, and the great and old Dawkins. Old Dawkins, huh? Something it's, else, man. What a what a guy! It's like, hey, talk to Dawkins. He's like the new wrestling lawyer. Yes, he asks a question about like, hey, what do I do if I want to trademark this? Or oh, talk to Dawkins. Right. Man. He's very he's smart. Wrestling doesn't have enough smart people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the good things about Tony Khan. Like he's a very smart guy. Get us, get some smart people in here. Chris Harrington. Right. What? Oh a, my God. Yes. But but like socially, just a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> like everything about Chris is like is like oh man, like you're the worst, uh-huh. but you're the best. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Because we really need people like that around. Right. So I like the smart people. <laughs> Here's to the smart people. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Arn Anderson is your. Uh, is the head coach yeah. uh, of you now? How 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 how's that working out? How you, I mean, my God, it's Arn Anderson, right? <laughs> what is that smirk for? I, <laughs> it's Arn. Yeah, I think people don't fully. Maybe they don't understand the full history with Arn and myself. Like Arn and I do have a lot of memories mm-hmm. because he was the agent at WWE when I debuted on TV in 2007. Meaning, if you had a bad live event outing. And Arn put that in the report. You were back to developmental, and usually, if you were back to developmental more than once, you were gone. Mm-hmm. It was see you, but like his word was was law, and he was immensely hard on me. Mm-hmm. Immensely hard, not so much in like a ribbing way, but in a very like out loud, in the go position. He was positive reinforcement. Sure, if we hit a home run, he let us know. Mm-hmm. But if we didn't, he let us know. And I a disappointed parent. But he was a really good. I needed that. Now the thing is you come back and somebody asks, hey, how was it? And they just thumbs up and then they bury you on their phone. (laughs) Or, you know, as soon as you you walk away versus I like that's the whole ticket. I'm a slow learner. I love slow learner wrestlers like Shawn Michaels or Eddie Guerrero, guys who I had to watch for like 10 years before the big moment. I'm a really slow learner. If you don't tell me what's missing. I'm showing up the same way the next week. Sure. All you got to do is tell me. Like, right. You can't expect that of anybody, right? Yeah. Unless you tell them what they're doing wrong, they're not going to fix it. So Ar- Arn is the guy for telling you what to do wrong. And So Arn is your coach on TV, but in your but oh. but really is your coach. In, life coach. In very, yes. like, if you were to look around as a wrestler putting together a match or as a wrestler thinking about the totality of events over the next few months, what's going to happen for you, that guy... I don't mean to sound negative, but how you can hire 40 writers ever when you have one Arn Anderson mm. Mm. or one Dean Malenko or one Fit Finley, like that's where the answers are. They're not, you can't write wrestling. You have to book wrestling and Arn just, he has a, just a brilliant mind for it. And I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with Arn as the coach. We're getting him a laminate play card. Ooh. Um, a little smaller than the one I saw the Patriots had, but a laminate play card for uh, for the next uh, in-ring outing. So I'm excited yeah, about that. Cleveland. We're talking to Cody, and as you know, we can't let you go without talking about your family and your dad. Oh, the yeah. American Dream Dusty Rhodes, and we'll be doing that here in just a moment. We're talking with Cody, and we're talking about uh, his wrestling start, his childhood, his family, and... The American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, who I worked with for many, many years and were very good friends with. and It's quite a legacy. 
I mean, it really is. You, you know, yep. you, you, we touched on Starcade, and I was there at the very first Starcade, and I knew that he had come up with it, and and he and I talked about it that night. That his vision, he always talked about vision, the didn't vision. he? Yeah, his vision for making something big. Yeah, taking pro wrestling, and he's really one of the people that took pro wrestling. It's the old cliche, taking it out of the smoky auditoriums and taking it to the big arenas. And he was one of the I had the vision to do that. It's great because, you know, now all of a sudden everyone's like, man, Dusty had a lot to do with everything. Everything. One of the things that I'm super proud of, and as a, like, as a child, you find yourself where you're proud of your parents and you wonder, what, like, you weren't around during those periods, but you still find that there's a sense of pride in it. Had him and Vince not gone toe-to-toe on the mega event, you know, with WrestleMania and with Starcade, and had they had not accessed the closed circuit concept of the theaters... The only thing that was really doing it at the time was boxing. Mm-hmm. And boxing wasn't going to get the pay-per-view industry started solely. So these guys are somewhat responsible for the pay-per-view boom yeah. as well. Hey, you know, it's closed circuit and, and my event needs to be bigger than yours. Well, I'll do a simulcast and y'all do a triple cast. And like that that's just something I'm I'm very I'm I'm very proud of him and I'm proud that people later in, you know, they've realized more and more his his star like is still burning brighter. Uh, versus, you know, not burning. He used to nudge me at the WWE Hall of Fame when people would mention him. Like, he would basically keep a count. Like a tally. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. I'm sure he did, yeah. And one of them, it was every person who got inducted. And I thought, like, you got something on all these people, you know? Like, you, you, like, <laughs> you, like, you, this is, it's really, like, he really, I think, was good. He liked broken toys, people that he could fix and people he could mold. Uh, he saw stuff when people didn't see things in themselves uh, and surrounded himself with good people. Like, I don't know. They, there was this weird period of time where everyone was on his ass about Jimmy putting Crockett out of business. And then later on, it kind of came out that everybody put Crockett out of sure. business. But Paul Heyman told me this great story. He was like, I don't, don't ever listen to anyone who complains about the Dusty's days at, at Jim Crockett or NWA because the parking lot was filled with literally like gremlins and pintos and then dusty showed up and the next thing you know the parking lot's filled with mercedes and Mm -hmm. brand new lincoln's and and everyone was getting paid Mm -hmm. did they know what to do with it did they know what to do next maybe not did they need two jets maybe not maybe not but yeah they live large and uh i'm very proud of of everything uh that still comes out about him to this day I, i i always think what happens if he just like showed up you know like what if it was like he just showed up in my, like, a force ghost appeared in, like, my bedroom or something. What the hell would I tell him about what's happened in wrestling? I wouldn't know to tell him. Like, well, I quit, and then this, and then, like, I wouldn't even know where to begin. Yeah. Right. But I think if he was around, even if he was still working for NXT, he'd want to come work here. I think, <laughs> I think, I think he'd really like That was going to be my yeah. question. Like, yeah. Do you think he'd be here from, like, day one? Or would he have stayed? He, so... Man, we've we've jumped the pop culture shark a lot here, but I'll I, I'll throw you another one. I'm a big Potterhead, uh, and my house in the timeout. Yeah. Which house are you? I'm a Hufflepuff. Okay. I'm. A, are you Gryffindor? That seems about right. Right. Tony Slytherin. Really? Yeah, ambitious, yeah. huh? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That honestly, that doesn't seem. I was gonna say Ravenclaw. <laughs> yeah, rare Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw. Okay. Brandy's a Slytherin. Mm. 
So anyway, mm-hmm. anyways, Hufflepuff. <laughs> the thing about the Hufflepuff element is, uh, and maybe I don't get this from him. Maybe I get this from my mom, but I'm extremely loyal, extremely loyal to a fault, to a dead, ad, like absolute fault. And I don't know if he shared that same thing, but Hunter gave him that cushy one day a week job at the performance center teaching promos where half the time they were like watching movies mm-hmm. and it was more like a life class. Right which is what promo class should be, but it was a pretty cushy gig he had. So I don't know if my mom would let him (laughs) uh, come work here. I think, I think she would, uh, but he was really loyal and he might've remained loyal. Who knows? No, that's the thing about him. And he was great about this many years ago. He saw this terrible wrestling angle that I don't know how to pronounce it. Posthumous. Is that when someone's passed on or? Okay, well, anyways, like, basically implying that someone, it was an angle where someone who had passed away, they were trying to use him as part of the angle. Mm -hmm. And I remember my dad telling me, I was only, like, 12 years old, he goes, please don't let anyone ever say, I would have liked this, or I would have, you know, that, they don't know. And uh, that's why my big rule is, and it's kind of common knowledge, like, you can't talk about my dad. If you talk Mm -hmm. about my dad in a promo, Mm -hmm. angle's over, brother. Mm -hmm. We're done, like, he ain't coming back, you know? You gotta talk about me. Which Jericho didn't totally get the hint uh, on. He kind of does what he wants. You know, but we're yeah. talking about Dusty. I think he'd have to be here. Oh, I, well, God, I'd want him. Oh, Especially with all of the other people coming it's in, it's tur- like it's you're Turner. Like, it's it's Turner too. Bring all of his buddies, yeah. in, man. All his buddies, and it's literally like I don't mean to you know sound negative about WWE, but it's the the Rebel Alliance, man. Like, right, right. It's literally like. The first order showed up, and you got Lando showed back up in his cape and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Well, like, it's like we even got like Dustin referring to us on Wednesdays and his classes as kids. Well, that's Dustin's. Be Dustin is a, that's a conversation that you'll enjoy a lot. <laughs> the the polar opposites of human beings really is what I found that Dustin and I are. Every decision, mm-hmm. will you go left? Will you go right? Polar opposites. Wow. I don't try to force me on him anymore. I don't care when he forces him on whatever. You are you. I, you know, different, different childhoods created different roads. So on that, going back to mm-hmm. Double or Nothing. Yeah. Because you'd said that this is a big, important moment. Like, it's a big, important moment for wrestling in general. Mm-hmm. Like, that show and that match. Knowing that it's your brother, do you approach it differently? Do you prepare in a different way? Uh, I mean, when it's your brother or when it's your friend, like, that match is going to be a little bit more violent. Naturally, because right. there's oh, a little, there's like a, a little, gallon of blood there. Yeah, there's a little <laughs> element of like um, trust that exists. So I didn't really approach it in a different way. I no, I guess I did. And QT, who was somewhat involved with that match, QT Marshall, he always says, "You excel in fifty plus," is what he tells me. <laughs> like I excel at fifty plus, and it's because of that. I know that type of wrestler. My dad was also an old man wrestler at one right. point. Like I had to watch that a lot and see when it was done right and see when it was done wrong. And I went into that match really for the first time ever. Like I went into the match with Chris about, hey, I'm going to show Chris I'm on his level. He's going to believe it after we touch in this ring. I went in the match with Dustin as I'm going to lead the veteran. He's not going to lead. I'm going to lead the veteran. And I don't know why that was so important to me, but that's how I approached that one. And uh, that was really my only thought process the whole time. I had no idea it was going so well. I had no idea about anything other than when he was bleeding so much. My genuine thought was I got to like, I've got to fix this mm-hmm. s- something. Like I, I was thinking about putting my thumb 
on his head. Mm -hmm. I was rubbing my tape on it. Mm -hmm. uh, cold water. A bazillion things were going through my head because he was bleeding so much. Just mm -hmm. dripping. Yeah, and uh, that was a big, con big concern I had. Uh, and then after, it was... He was fine, and it was wrestling, course, you know. Uh, yeah, but that was, yeah, that was a special match. Go back the next yeah. day. Yeah, so, of course. <laughs> so growing up, when was what was your first introduction to pro wrestling? Do you remember? Yeah, uh, pro probably the Omni. Uh, I always talk about the first time I heard it. It was either UTC Chattanooga or the Omni. Okay. I think it was UTC Chattanooga, actually. I know it was a Brad Armstrong match. Uh, but I was backstage, and everybody thought I would like being backstage, but I was a really introverted um, kid. I didn't want to really be backstage. or uh, You didn't want to be ribbed by the boys mm -hmm. either. Like, I was, like, young, right. you know? Like, I was weird. But I heard the crowd react to a bump. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I got to go out there. And Doug Dillinger had printed me this really, like, oversized, like, the ones we have pass. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. It was, like, the keys to the kingdom. I'd basically walk out there and sit in an empty seat. Right. And I sat there and I watched that show and it was just everything was amazing to me. Everything. I didn't come in with any preconceived notions. My dad didn't really, like, he didn't highlight or low light people. He kind of always let me decide what I liked mm -hmm. and what okay. I didn't. Cool. Uh, I know he had plenty of personal opinions about people. Mm -hmm. I would never know them mm. uh, ever because I was a big WWF fan, too, as a kid. Mm -hmm. And those were not his favorite people, some of the, the top stars at the time. And he didn't care. He, he used me as, I think, like a guinea pig, kind of a field test for right. stuff. Uh, but, yeah, UTC Chattanooga, I heard it. It was Brad Armstrong in the ring, went out there, didn't want to leave, didn't couldn't go to school the next day. I was just enamored with the the concept of of wrestling and the fame and the stardom and the excitement and there also used to be a thing called it doesn't exist anymore. Well, maybe I don't think it does. There used to be a thing called a chick pop, where like Brad Armstrong or Dustin or Sting would walk out there and the women would go nuts, mm -hmm. just like the women. You'd hear the women. <laughs> yeah, now you don't like hear the women. Um, no, not at all. You, sorry, you hear the fans. Sorry. But that used to that as a, for my entire as a little as a little boy, it's, it was like, oh, that's that's cool. That's like I, the guy. Yeah, like I was. I like, want to be that guy. Yeah, you want to be that guy. Like Dustin. Like to his face, we're brothers. Like I'm not gonna ever like compliment him, but like he got like <laughs> one of the biggest trick pops ever one time in the Omni, and I thought like this is such a unbelievably cool gig. Yeah. Like and I, just an unbelievable cool gig. I wanted to be those guys, so that was a good good time. Anytime I could go, Macon, Atlanta, UTC. North Carolina, Alabama, Florida, I would go. I'd, I'd have to go. I'd always miss school the next day. I crossed paths with uh, many of Shivani's children. Yeah. Mm. It was a good time. Yeah. And so you, I guess you wanted to be in, involved in wrestling from day one? Oh, that, no, I didn't want to do anything but wrestling. Okay. But when you grow up in the suburbs of Cobb County, where I, I still live today, uh, which Brandy loves when I highlight Nothing like East Cobb. Nothing like it. Yeah. It's God's country. Yes, it is. But anyways, <laughs> wrestling's not super popular in the, the suburbs. Yeah. Um, it may be, but it's it's closet popular. And where we lived, my dad was, it was very much like the Adams family. We were looked at as like this, like Gabe Simpson lived in the next neighborhood. Right. That was the celebrity dad. Sure. Gabe Simpson of the Braves. He's the commentator. He's the Braves. Mm -hmm. Like. Dusty, we lived on the other side of the neighborhood, right. and we'd all like meet conveniently at the pool. And Dusty would wear his trunks, mm -hmm. his legit trunks, and mm -hmm. he was over three hundred pounds. And he would dive on the diving board. Where I mean, it was unreal. Like you'd see this thing bend where it touched the water. <laughs> and he was always like, he just was a scene. His per his presence was a scene. Right. 
and it never embarrassed me ever. It was who he was. Uh, but in the, the suburbs, you don't often say out loud, all I want to be is a pro wrestler is the guess, best way I would put it. Although I did uh, many times, but yeah, that was uh, that was kind of the existence there in East Cobb. Uh, I pretended to want to be a lot of other things, and then when finally I got the opportunity, I knew I wasn't going to go to college because I just the idea of higher education I think is stupid. Um, I'm gonna walk away now. <laughs> so, but but my mom loves this when I get into the higher education thing because all her like the kids she actually likes go to college. Uh, <laughs> But uh, so your sister, <laughs> yeah, my sister went to a couple of colleges. She got that Tommy Boy degree. Oh yeah, Teal is a, a wonderful person, though. Yeah, um, she is. Anyways, <laughs> I said I would be an actor. That is the dream I sold them mm-hmm. when I was eighteen, leaving. I always wanted to be a wrestler, but I said I'd be an actor because I really was afraid I was too small to be a wrestler. Now I'm a giant. Yeah, you're so. huge. You said uh, wrestling uh, was not really popular in in the suburbs, but amateur wrestling in the state of Georgia is big. Hell yeah. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. And you were probably the biggest star. As a little mini celebrity. Yes, you were. early. Anybody who knew anything about about high school wrestling knew about Cody. I was obsessed with it. Um, And this is so weird, and I don't know if anyone will understand this, but one of the reasons I got into amateur wrestling so hard was because... My dad had been, like I said, the Adams family thing. People really grinded on me and were really negative about his job. And I get that. And that amateur wrestling was the thing I chose to do that was very real and that I was obsessed with it, like dangerously obsessed with it. I'd go to Lasseter. Uh, before the sun came up in the middle of the winter when wrestling season is and I'd run uh, I had a free period both junior and senior year would I would go train in the wrestling room and then shower go to the next class and pass out because I was a legit calorie deficient yeah right um, then I'd have practice after and then there was a cosmos fitness right next door that was open 24 hours to my house and I didn't even know how to work out I was just reading like muscle fitness like, right and I would go to that gym so I'm training four times a day for high school amateur wrestling and it was it was great because i brandy does not like when i talk about wrestling because it's the glory days or whatever but i went 101 and two i only ever lost the two matches and it was like the coolest time ever dusty was a huge mark for it didn't even know how it scored though he really didn't because i would do like a reversal and Mm -hmm. you could see him like like he then like get excited about he didn't know how the scoring really worked for it ever. <laughs> um, he wore the same shirt to every dual meet. Mm-hmm. Uh, this flannel uh, and yeah. the Marietta Daily Journal w- went from covering him to covering me, and I thought that was really cool. It wasn't the goal of mine, but the first picture of the like father like son headline is a picture of my face getting scratched apart, and then Dusty up in the stands like clapping, like <laughs> professionally lit. Um, <laughs> So then, yeah, he was just it, it, that amateur wrestling period for Lasseter and the whole deal. I just nothing's like amateur wrestling because it's completely your fault if you win, completely <laughs> your fault if you lose. Like it's all on you. Like mm-hmm. even dual meets are team wise, but not really. Like yeah. it's all about what you did. And I had a great coach, uh, Day, uh, Steve Day. Oh man, I that was my game plan when I was Stardust. I was like, man, I'm just suck. Like I'm gonna get a degree. Like I should have in the first place. A higher education, and uh, I'm going to be a wrestling coach. Right. That was my game plan during the Stardust <laughs> period of time. So I don't I'm think glad many, I didn't go that way. I don't think many people realize, and I do because I was involved in it 
to a certain extent how intense amateur wrestling is. Oh, boy. It's, oh boy. It's, because we had uh, Tim, our son, who was wrestling JV for Pope when you were in varsity for yeah. Lasseter. Okay. Lois. Haskins? Walk- was he with Haskins? Who was the coach? Yeah, he was with Haskins. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. He and Haskins butted heads a lot. Yeah. So it, Lois, my wife, walked out many matches. Oof. She was, she stormed right out. I don't know if she wanted to be, you know, be dramatic or what, but she just yeah. couldn't take it. It's really kind of uh, stomach like and like heart wrenching when it's somebody you care about mm-hmm. wrestling, yeah, right? Especially if they're getting beat, that, right? Or if they're if they're about to be pinned, or right. if they're down on the score where there's a whole yeah. two minutes left in that third period and there's no way they're coming back, or if they're getting tech, like it's rough. Mm-hmm. My mom, because I was really bad at it as a little kid, and then I like got into it in high school. Um, my mom. If you ever see pictures of her sitting there, you cannot tell. I think this is where she adopted this like soulless stare mm-hmm. uh, that she <laughs> hand just uh, clenched, uh, and she would just watch because I think she, she was trying to stay calm for my dad, who was a little bit more animated. And uh, Flair was the worst. Rick, sure Rick was, was yeah. the worst. Yeah, so my dad, was, worst. my dad was always right. trying to be less than Rick, right? Because Rick was over in in Georgia and the Carolinas. You yeah. knew, like if Rick. Uh, and Reed were there. Rick was very active, mm-hmm. uh, and Reed was such a great amateur wrestler. Uh, yeah, no, it was great. Stern Face Lady is what yeah. we call my mom, right. and that is what NXT when she would come to those shows. Mm-hmm. There was a hashtag one time for because she was sitting in the wrong side of the stands where the camera was on. Her. Mm-hmm. Made my day. Stern Face Lady. <laughs> Stern Face Lady. Yeah. Well, uh, we uh, there's a lot to talk about, but the good news is is that we're moving forward with AEW with yep. Dynamite, and we're. Again, we're having a great times putting it together on Wednesday and moving forward with that. And uh, I'm sure you got to be excited about what the future is going to bring for us, aren't you? I am. And I think when you guys talk to Tony, mm-hmm. I know that's coming up. Mm-hmm. I think you probably you might want to dig in a little further on this question because a lot of good news has come to AEW in the last 48 hours. Oh, and, boy. And it would involve everyone in this room, I think. YouTube, uh, particularly, so yeah, he he told us. Yeah, he said you never know. I know uh, like, don't. is there a new flavor of White Claw? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I got into White Claw last week, by the way. Really? Did you you know really? what? And I didn't want to. Okay. Like, I really still don't want to. What What is your flavor? The Ruby one. So here's why. Here's I didn't want to, and it was the only thing there. And I got an IPA, and then there was like eight. Well, I Rubies. hate IPAs. Mm. I live in Seattle. It's all we have. It's terrible. Yeah. Well, I'm into. A, I don't drink that often. So when I do, I want the full body, the bite. I don't want to just wanna throw go it all back. In. Okay. All in. Yes. Story of my life. Yep. But the white claws, the ruby one. I was kind of digging. I was sitting there, and just kind of enjoying it. And that, that I guess that's my flavor, white claw. Well, thanks, buddy. Thanks for letting me be a part of it. I know for her be a part of all this. It's been, you know fun. how you got your job, right? Yeah. Do you know really fully how you got your job? I mean, I know bits and pieces. Do you know I... who's most responsible for it? CD. Close. Who? Frankie. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, Frankie. Frankie was the one that, like, put my name in the pot. Yeah, and CD pushed it forward. And then, uh, yeah, I'd say I'm three. Yeah. I'm three. Thanks, bro. I'm three. But Frankie, yeah, that's oh, yeah. the guy. Great he, but, but now mm-hmm. it's fully you. That's right. You're owning this joint. You are owning Jim it. Jim Ross's favorite. Jeez, mm-hmm. I don't. He's a, he was once your favorite, just stay his favorite. There's no reason to. <laughs> he you called don't me Girl Hebner on his podcast. Yeah. I'm like, I've made oh. it. Oh, I'm done. God. He's seen it all. So if you're his favorite, this that's a good thing. It's a good wild. Thing. It's weird. I just like showing up to work every Wednesday. It's a blast. What's your favorite Trek captain? All right, I'm done. I'm done, right? This is the last question. Favorite, <laughs> favorite Trek captain? It's Picard. Picard, for yeah, sure. Yeah, by far. What about you? I think it's got to be Picard, even though I haven't yeah. watched as much Picard. For like, your lifestyle, though, for your generation, Picard is the most important. Right. Like, 
yeah, Picard for me. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. Thank you. This has All been right. super fun. Yeah, thanks, thank Cody. you, guys. Thank Don't you. forget, you can get AW Unrestricted, your podcast for free, wherever you get your podcast. Tune in to Dynamite Wednesday, 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Central. I'm Tony Schiavone. I'm Aubrey Edwards. And this has been, go ahead, AW Unrestricted. Yeah, I just want to see if you remember the name.